so for me and i think for you two as well uh the first three million years will always kind of be linked to something else uh which was something that was actually a part of the first broadcast of the first episode um there was the note uh the uh, message placed in there by in as part of UK TV presentation during the uh, the second ad break, which said uh, thank you to Seb Patrick for everything he did for the Red Dwarf community. Seb Patrick, of course, anyone who's listening to this will probably know, uh, was our friend uh, who died on the second of August, uh, which was four days before um, this documentary series started, and we want to talk about him. Uh, it's quite difficult for us. You can probably already tell <laughs> that this isn't quite our usual uh, podcast personas. Um, but we do want to talk about him. And um, I think as a sort of rough structure, uh, that that message is actually quite a good starting place uh, because Sir Patrick did a lot for the Red Dwarf community. So maybe that's how we, we get into the topic and, and talk about exactly what he did. And kind of how it all started um, is like his first contribution to the Red Dwarf community was kind of how we got to know him, uh, which was that he started a uh, a fan site called Fuchelle, mm-hmm. um, which was brilliant. <laughs> it was in this kind of glut of, of fan sites that sprung up um, around the same time that G&T did, and I think sort of following on. Just uh, after G and T, like give yourself due credit. Okay, yeah, I wasn't going, <laughs> but yeah. So G and T started, and um, a bunch of people found G and T and and liked it. Uh, Seb being one of them, because I remember he said that like he came across G and T at one point when it, the site was fairly young, like within the first few months, I think. Um, just came across a, an article um, and found himself. Uh, going and sitting and like staying up until the early hours of the morning, mm-hmm. reading Same. every single article, <laughs> which is something that could be done at that stage when the site was that young. Um, and then that kind of that inspired him to start his site, Fuchel. Meanwhile, Capsi, you started the White Hole. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Garbage World by Austin Ross as well. Um, maybe one or two others. Uh, but yeah, Fuchel, right, like right from the start. I mean, there wasn't much that was published on Fuchel. It was one of Seb's many, many projects, and throughout the, throughout his life, there were many, many projects. All he was kind nothing of happening. if not consistent. <laughs> he, he was incredibly prolific uh, and seemed to have an energy and capacity for writing and for, and for other kinds of creative projects that blew my mind and I, I don't know how he did it I don't know how he found the energy to do it all I don't know how he had but the time you, <laughs> yeah he's some sort of time lord surely yeah. yeah that could be the only explanation <laughs> uh, but yeah Fuchel kind of there were there was maybe like 10 articles or something in total I mean during the time that the, the, I'm looking the site at was five there, I'm looking I'm looking really? at the tag because we imported everything over to GNT and I'm seeing five I think I need to go through and check just make sure but the, mm-hmm. you're right, there wasn't much because the, the gaps between, like, the length of time that Fuchal existed was incredibly short. And yet, like, if you look at each one of these features, they are they are long. Um, and mm. it wasn't long before he just, like, w- was commenting on GNT and it was just immediately, you know, we all came together, you know, and, and, and GNT yeah. kind of followed very shortly after. So it was a very short period of time. Yeah, and yeah, like, but those those articles were amazing, and they're probably still some of the best things that we've got <laughs> that are currently published on G and T. Yeah, um, 
Uh, there was one. It was a, a serious study of Rimmer and why Rimmer was the best character in Red Dwarf, um, in Seb's opinion, and mine. He's correct. Uh, there's a big feature on the books. Um, an article that I remember that's called "Yeah, they're called Dreams," which is about sort of the aspirations and the ambitions of the character, and it's proper, proper, clever academic analysis of Red Dwarf, but done in a really entertaining and accessible way. And so, yeah, like you say, it wasn't long until we started all collaborating together. Mm-hmm. Because for anyone who doesn't know the history, and, and why would you? Um, the, this group of fan sites that I mentioned, we collaborated and got together to form Observation Dome which was a kind of umbrella group effort um, that was just like bits and pieces um, that we wanted to publish. But it, we all had our own individual places where we put our bigger, deeper thoughts and then all came together to do Observation Dome when it was just like... We oversaturated we the market. Community. <laughs> I mean, we kind of did. <laughs> but, like, thank God. Yeah. Because that, like, working together on Observation Dome um, brought everyone together. And Seb was obviously a, a huge part of that. Um, and probably one of the earliest and most notable things that he did uh, was that as part of our Observation Dome group um, we made a fan film the movie Yeah No Yeah No which was featured on the Series 7 DVD in which uh, Seb played a man that would later turn out to be his future boss (laughs) 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 a bit weird in retrospect (laughs) he played Doug Naylor in a fictitious in a fictitious telling of uh, the movie and why the movie never got off the ground um, in which he appeared uh, semi-naked and oiled (laughs) so you know he's definitely left a legacy (laughs) yeah it's still being watched to this day yeah, I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> it's it's an awful, awful film. But, it represents a huge but, amount. Like it is like the starting pistol, basically, of like everything we've done since, like our entire friendships. You know. Well, when we filmed that, that we filmed that all over the course of a weekend. No, you're saying surely that took you months to put together. No, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was done on a Saturday and Sunday, and that was the first time that I'd met Seb. I think that was the same for you, wasn't it? Seb, so you, yeah, you first time Seb I met before. Seb. Second time I met Seb, we were looking for a house uh, to move into. I mean, yeah, platonically. <laughs> and this is, yeah, <laughs> and this is the, you know, this is the power of the internet, I guess, because yeah. we were, we became really firm friends with only having actually seen each other in person a handful of times. And yeah, that that first weekend making the movie, we'd never met before. Um, I'd met you once before, or twice before, mm. once at DJ and once at a football game. <laughs> um, but, you know, we all stayed in my tiny student hall's flat. <laughs> like, I don't know how we fitted both of you on the floor in that... <laughs> For two uh, nights, yeah, with great, great difficulty, sort of top to tail. Yeah, we watched uh, it was Comic Relief Weekend as well. Do you remember that? It was. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> is this the way to Amarillo? That was the year of that. Oh, the year of the Amarillo. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine we were all reverential about that. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, we we made that film, and then we continued to collaborate on Observation Dome um, until a point. Um, but probably about a year later, when we decided to just all pull our efforts into G and T, and that's when uh, that's when all the 
those separate fan sites all all came together under the GNT banner and everything was incorporated. And that's when we, led by Seb, really started dwarf casting. Mm. I was yeah. going to mention that because he's he's basically the reason why we're doing this. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, we kept we did last year. We celebrated our hundredth edition with quite a um, self congratulatory. Uh, needlessly inward-looking <laughs> <laughs> retrospective documentary, and we, no one kind of Seb didn't want to take credit for being the one that was driving it. And maybe when we look back at emails, that we've like we were all sort of had the, had similar ideas, and we all wanted yeah. to do it, and we're all pulling in the same direction. But it's definitely my memory that Seb was the main driving force for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's and that's it, isn't it? It's the driving force. Like I mean. Any old any old chunk say, oh, let's do a podcast. But like, get, getting it done is a different thing, and that's what mm. that's what Seb just does. He he got things done that he wanted to do. So there was Dwarfcast, the newly formed GNT. Like there was a lot of there was a lot of drive, but I think um, maybe I I was quite kind of preoccupied. With with my work placement, you were very preoccupied with the final year at university, and Seb mm. drove that like that that you know made, basically made that kind of coming together actually work. He he wrote a huge amount. He was the most prolific writer on the site early on for sure. Yeah. Um, also, the best writer by far. Yeah, yeah. Um, that period in general is just. I've got to look back and say that, that is, is probably the happiest time of my life, really. Yeah. And like in terms of being young and carefree, uh, like obviously there's been amazing things that have happened in my life since. Um, everyone has that. As, though. Everyone has their young, like you know, the time in their life yeah. when they were young, when it was just about them, really. Or, you know, the, yeah. The, the, no responsibilities yeah, yeah. Uh, beyond um, <laughs> writing about Red Dwarf and talking about Red <laughs> yeah. Dwarf is the extent of our responsibilities. I, um, uh, and yeah. yeah, you and you and Seb living together in in Northfields above a curry house, yeah. where, which is where I spent most of my weekends for a year and a bit when you were living there. I completely agree. Like, like it's exactly the same for me. That that is like sixteen months we lived in that house. And it was just my like just the golden year basically of like me becoming like who I am now, like you know forming the skills mm. that I have now and like you know and and all the friendships that I have now, and like and just how influential Seb was not only to like me professionally but like personally like I just can't. I can't say it yeah. enough, you know. <laughs> it's it's really we, we quite formed something. we formed some sort of primordial soup between us, yeah. Where all our all our individual personalities all kind of got melded together and split off, yeah. Again, and because we spent so much time together, like, obviously you and Seb spent more time together than anyone because you lived together. But yeah. there was there was a big group of people. Like basically every weekend, someone would be round. Usually me and usually several others, and we, like we spent so much time together. Just sitting around <laughs> watching Doctor Who. I remember <laughs> series two of Doctor Who was out on that year, or series three. No, series th- series three, three series was three. more the yeah. Um, series two was uh, you know um, I think the second time I met Seb. Second oh time yes, you both of watched, we watched Army of Ghosts. No Doomsday. Yeah. We watched Doomsday. Doomsday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a that's a key moment. I think that was like that was early doors in our relationship. <laughs> like 
we we knew each other pretty well from just from chatting because we chatted a lot there's so many emails over the years which like at some point in my life i'm going to be able to look back on and like very very fondly and and reminisce um we knew we knew each other pretty well but then yeah we all happened to be in the same place when the finale of Doctor Who series 2 happened and when <laughs> when Rose Tyler gets uh shut off in a, in a dimension and they can no longer see the doctor and they get separated in parallel worlds there was a moment of realization that these three men that <laughs> kind of didn't know each other all that well yet we're all sat next to each other on quite a cramped sofa <laughs> in my student house. Um, all just staring straight ahead and not wanting to let on to the other two that they were crying. <laughs> but we were all crying. Yeah. And then when we kind of realised that, it was like, oh, okay. These people get me. It's fine. <laughs> I like what you said about, like, you know, how, how we... Um almost kind of like melded together and then re-separated again into our individual thing. It's like like we all like kind of, I don't know, yeah, almost like, we in, yeah, influenced each other. Like, you know, that's 16 mm. months, we're kind of like just living in each other's pockets, basically, or like, you know, in this kind of gescult entity. Um, and then, yeah, and then after that, you know, I went back up to... Middlesbrough to finish my education still you know Seb went to Brighton um yeah and and we just from that moment on it just like it was just always that link you know of like I don't know I'm I'm struggling to um yeah to get across what I'm trying to mean here but just like you know the kind of, the the sort of feeling you know when when someone in your life permanently changes you and you can almost just you can always pinpoint the moment that it happened Oh, like you know, the period of time when it happened um, is like quite something. So it's, it's not something that happens very often in your life. And sorry, I need to just pause for a second. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was it was kind of yeah, like you say, is after that period when uh, you stopped living together, uh, um, Danny uh, became sort of part of the group as well, uh, because you weren't originally part of the sort of observation dome days, Danny. But um, through DJ and through working together and collaborating on things, you became part of the GNT fold, and then you it was it was just like this melting pot of personalities that we talk about was open to new members and <laughs> like new people came in and, and came out one of my uh, my my earliest memories of of working with Seb was him blowing my eardrums out because I remember <laughs> I've got the recording somewhere I'll try and dish it, I'll try and dig it out but it's basically with, <laughs> that I was I had the um the microphone on quite loud when we were doing it at dwarf Cat. I borrowed the equipment from college oh, so yeah. I was really worried about breaking the equipment that I'd brought with me, and I'd brought some equipment with me to record the Dwarfcast with, with a proper mic and a proper a proper thing and everything, little stand and everything. And then we had the 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 Father Ted joke of the uh, being too loud and blowing people's ears. And then while I'm at the other end of the room, all of a sudden Seb just picks up the mic and goes, "Hello, Danny," like that, and you can just hear me <laughs> scream from the other end of the room. 
and uh, yeah, and I was like, oh fuck, that's what you like, brilliant. <laughs> but I was just like, I, but it was genuinely one of those things that was like, ah, oh, my people, I don't give a shit now. This was just fun, and I remember those yeah. DJ dwarf casts and stuff where we sit around and, and do all that stuff. It was just that was really fun, and I think, it, like I said, I did wasn't really involved with any writing in any sense. I still aren't. I mean, I think I might have written one article on the entire GNT's history, <laughs> and it, I ramble like fuck on it. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, but it was it was nice to feel kind of included, and, and Seb certainly helped with that, especially with all the, the dwarf cast stuff we used to do during DJs and stuff. Um, and you know that and beyond when he wasn't even part of uh, GNT anymore, and he moved on to. To the Gunnella stuff, and which was always going to be the way. Um, yeah, totally. So it's like you know, it was he was too good to be. To, 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 it was, it was too good to good stay. But you know, it was never going to chronologically. Gonna... Yeah, that's the next step. Is that you know he, he was part of GNT for. But now looking back on it, it's quite a short amount of time. It was five years five or so. Years, yeah. uh, we kind of got together. Uh, we merged uh, into GNT in 2006, and Seb left in 2011. Uh, but that it, it feels like such a bigger, more significant chunk of of GNT's life, which is now nearly 18 years old, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Mm. Uh, so Seb, Seb was part of the team for only five years of that, but his influence has definitely been felt. But then, yeah, when when the call came from Grant Naylor, a it was obvious that Seb was the best choice. <laughs> like there was no, none of us were thinking, "Oh, that could have been me doing that." He's like, "No, nah. Seb, Seb was the best person to do it by far." Yeah. And while we were gutted to let him go and gutted that he wasn't going to be part of GNT anymore, he, we were absolutely delighted for him because he he, out of all of us, was both the most experienced, the most qualified, and had the uh, the most ambition to be a, a proper writer yeah the the yeah. best talent for it mm-hmm. it was it was really and it fits into what we say about we don't know where he found the time and the energy to do all this stuff but he always had a full-time non-writing job mm. like from the time when we, you were living together in in london until uh until last month he had a full-time uh job and did uh writing professionally and for fun and podcasts and all manner of other things just on the side. He decided um, a few years ago, um, he took on extra responsibilities at work and basically um, just learned a whole extra profession to do as like a, an extra <laughs> bit. Of, he, I'm, I'm a web developer by trade. I have been for many years and, and Seb basically ended up doing exactly uh, much the same. Um, it's just something he just decided to be good at one day because <laughs> work needed him to and he did um, <laughs> he was the butler of our, uh, of our friendship <laughs> do you dabble in web development <laughs> yeah you're right uh, and yeah and he only ever worked for Grant Naylor part time which I don't think um, a lot of people realised or would have thought because again he was so prolific obviously uh, Toss only ever updates once a week and that that's that was always the case but he also he took on uh, the social media side of it uh, because there was these accounts that Dave had set up um, on Twitter and Facebook around the time of uh, either Back to Earth or Series 10 one of the two I think it was just for Series 10 
and then they lay dormant for years when series 10 finished and so uh, Seb ba- we can reveal this now <laughs> Seb basically took it upon himself and gone shit I, I should be using those like why can't I use those and so went to UKCV and got hold of them and got the logins just off his own back because it was a good thing to do and because it would help the show yeah uh, that was the key thing he <laughs> really really cared and so he he went beyond his remit and went beyond his pay grade, frankly, to do whatever was best for Red Dwarf because he fucking loved Red Dwarf. Yeah, yeah. And he really, like, he really turned that um, that that <laughs> that official Red Dwarf account was a a tiny bit of a but but of a joke, but of many jokes. Like it was, it was yeah. dormant. It was a bit sad, and um, that thing is booming. He left it incredibly yeah. successful you know um and because one of his great talents was converting something that he cared about in an in a way that's accessible to everyone yeah yeah and so he was able to tailor what he did for social media so perfectly and so it was like you saw examples of his writing on toss um with he managed to maintain a consistent tone of voice across what he wrote in articles and his tweets and yet uh was able to also produce engagement levels uh like the 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 social media posts he put out spread beyond uh, a traditional red dwarf audience and, and went and found and recruited a bigger audience mm. uh because he was he was a so he, he was a big social media user like you only have to see look at his twitter account his personal twitter account and see how often he tweeted. <laughs> like, again, how did he find the time to do all this as well? Um, and he really, really knew how to use it well. I've rumbled a bit there. There's been no, I mean, this anything. Is, just what, that's all this is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> um... It's 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 um what you said then about um about his tone, the, the the consistent tone, and that and 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 using kind of the Twitter account to kind of reach a bit further. It all kind of comes back to this, like one of the core things about Seb is um, sharing sharing good like cool stuff with people. Like yeah. he he just thrives on thrived on um, like something he loves. Other people need to know about this you know i need to tell my friends i need to get them involved like this stupid bloody board game i played when i was a kid i need to tell my friends about it and like (laughs) this was this became a legendary thing like with as a key to the kingdom board game that he just he just like loved so much just from like playing with his sister when they were kids and it just became like almost a meme amongst us (laughs) um (laughs) and and he just did that with everything like so much of my like pop culture kind of like Anything really about pop culture that I know outside of my core interests is, is can probably be traced to him, um, yeah. because he just wanted to kind of share stuff, and I think that might be and, like the defining thing about Seb, you know. Yeah, he he wanted to yeah he wanted to let people know about the things that he loved, and he he did that so well because that yeah we obviously had a shitload in common, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah. um, but because Seb Seb loved so many things and like had such a huge frame of reference, um, there was plenty of things that he was into that I'm not. Like I've never been a big comics person, um, and Seb very much was. 
but I could happily read him writing about mm-hmm. about comics because he can tell it so he can make me interested in comics when I wasn't before. Yeah. I, d- I find Formula One a tedious endeavor, <laughs> but <laughs> I um I subscribed to F1 Colors which was his blog about Formula One liveries because even though I don't really care about the sport, I found I found his writing about the design of the cars and the sponsored logos and the positioning of the numbers and the significance of the numbers and everything like that. It, that was the angle that he found to get people interested in the thing that he was interested in. Yeah, that was also the angle, the same sort of angle that got him into when Saturday comes, wasn't it? Like his his first piece there yeah. was about shirt numbers, which is anyone who's <laughs> spent any significant amount of time with Seb had had their ears. Um, chewed off about about Premier League numbers on shirts like that's a bit that was a big thing for him and I love I love, yeah I love that, that he was a, he got that um <laughs> that passion out there I don't think there's a single person in existence that cares more about shirt numbers than so <laughs> well there's Dennis Hurley who um runs a, a shirt numbers blog um who he collaborated with along with David Hartick on uh, a podcast called Beyond the Touchline. Yeah, it's great podcast. And that was another thing. That was a football podcast that wasn't about football, but it was about all the esoterica around football. Um so there was uh, episodes about Billy the Fish, the character from Viz, who was a, a parody of Roy of the Rovers, uh, an episode on Mike Bassett, England manager. Uh, it's great stuff. I highly recommend. Sadly, they didn't get around to doing as many podcasts as they wanted to, but even if you don't like football yeah uh, i would recommend that his other main like his biggest success podcast wise was cinematic universe um with james hunt and joe cunningham uh, which basically them talking about comic book movies from the perspective of comic book fans um so uh, reviewing the reviewing the movies and not just like the big marvel cinematic universe ones but like anything like anything uh, comic how book, the yeah. duck <laughs> Seb had, a, big, a big one in the head of the Duck movie. Seb had very recently gone through the mental gymnastics required to convince James that they should cover Bill and Ted three because um, <laughs> there had there was a Bill and Ted comic, so that means it, it counts. <laughs> like the, the, the concept of the show actually was like so. Joe is a film um, film buff and not a comics buff, or at least wasn't originally, and it was mm. teach the film buff about comics. In yeah. the concept of, and um, which, which is a really cool, cool conceit. Obviously, it kind of changed a lot once Joe um, started actually just knowing a decent amount about comics because he'd because he'd spoken to seven. Yeah, because he spoke to seven James. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic podcast, and there's a but then yeah, huge again, it's, it's like he take that's like another example of a hook. Like everyone. It's not remotely obscure or niche to be into comic book movies because the like the Marvel films are the biggest ones in the world right now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so taking that as the hook and using it to teach people, like specifically Joe, but also the listening public about the more in depth stuff and the and the the nerdier stuff around it that goes into it. Yeah. Uh, because that's the stuff that he cares the, about. The, there's moments in in that. Because uh, I've listened to a lot of it quite recently, because I had to, had to go through a period of catching up um, to, you know, try and be a good friend, and I'd, I'd, I'd um, fallen behind a bit with it. But like when 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 they're talking about something DC related, and Seb was like, Seb's a comics fan, but he's like specifically DC was his his knowledge base, like in his passion. Yeah. Uh, and something DC related, like Joe has a question about uh, you know a DC film or a particular like um, obscure DC character, and James would be like. 
Jim's like, I don't know, Seb, and then you could just you could just hear the excitement as Seb queues up about maybe about a ten minute <laughs> monologue about this particular set of DC characters, like, and and just it's just a joy. Every single time it's a joy to listen to. Um, but he was he was like that in real life as yes. well. Sometimes the opportunity to like you could tell that he'd been saving something up or like he'd been thinking about something and he just wanted to get it out. He would sometimes get so overexcited that he just. <laughs> completely blurt and just rush everything out. He was so keen yeah. to get across what he wanted to tell you that he'd have to take several attempts. It's like, Seb, calm down. <laughs> Stop, let's, breathe. Let's start from the beginning. <laughs> Wet the rabid foam from your chin and start again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, 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 the one thing that really does like I don't know whether I should say this, but just the only thing that really pisses me off about, obviously, the fact that Seb's no longer here is that he, well, he hadn't got to see Bill and Ted free. That is yeah. a, a fucking the the, the is, biggest fucking tragedy. As injustices go, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's, a, the, it's a pisser. Uh, the timing of them announcing that Weezer were on the soundtrack, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, it's the perfect coming together. Seb is a huge, huge fan of of Weezer. He. Ran a, a forum for Weezer or was Weezerology? It he got me. He got me to make the logo for it. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> See, there, there's, there's so many different projects yeah, that I can't even that. remember. No, what, what that's the thing. Like is, anyone else, like any any projects of your like, you'd normally have one or two yeah, over the course of an entire what, friendship. Yeah. But Seb well, was like just firing them off left, right, and centre. You know, I, like, I have multiple projects going on, but none of them are finished. Like all of them are just ongoing projects that no one has seen. Whereas a Seb has got lots of projects which are ongoing and you know and he they don't need to be completed so much, but they are out there and people can see them. Yeah, he got his oeuvre out there, yeah. and that's that's the thing where you just like you know when you find out the stuff he got involved in, I was like, how the fuck did he have time to do <laughs> any of this? Unless he was working constantly when he wasn't sleeping. Then I mean, that's the, just the poor bastard was was commuting four hours a day before before the Rona hit. <laughs> like four yeah. hours a day of commuting, <clears throat> roughly. So I I mean he's done he does basically or he must have done what so many people fail to do, which is use their downtime to basically to the maximum. And I I, yeah. I don't use my downtime for shit. But like four hours the, of I don't have the focus for Yeah. That. And four hours of commuting <clears throat> a day obviously turned into four hours of of writing or podcast mm. editing. Um, time a day, and I guess you can get a lot done if you've got that drive and you got that passion. But then he also managed to watch all these films that he was talking <laughs> yeah. about and watch a load of telly, um, be on social media all the time. Like how? I mean, he could type. He was very proud of his typing speed. Yeah. Uh, and as previously discussed, he could. He, he, he certainly his brain was fast enough, like to to think of the, what he wanted to say quickly. And I guess it was handy that his his typing speed matched. Yeah, yeah. it was so the perfect storm. Get it all down. Yeah. But no, and and also, like I say, he had a he had a full time job. He had a he had a family, and he was a very, very much a devoted father. Um, absolutely brilliant at it, and like hugely, a role model as a father, and yet. Still had all this time for all his other passions as well. Me, but both me and and Ian 
become fathers relatively recently, Ian more recently yeah. than I. And and both of us have experienced like the the wave of enthusiasm and love <laughs> that that you get from from Seb's kind of ex- excitement about someone else is is getting to be a father. I've got so much to say. Yeah. I've got so much to see. Like it just it was yeah. it, like the most amazing thing. Um and the perhaps the biggest shame of all this is that I was really enjoying experiencing fatherhood with Seb with Seb, yeah. That he was when my daughter was born, um nearly four months ago, he was one of the first people that obviously that I told along with you, Capsi. In our da- little dad club WhatsApp group, <laughs> and his enthusiasm, and just like he just basically sent the word ah yeah. over and over again, yeah. and said sorry, I'm in a meeting at the moment at work, but I will uh, I will return to shout at you <laughs> very soon. A, a, um, a dad club WhatsApp group, by the way, that just kind of I woke up one morning and there it was. Seb had started it to you know get yeah. us all together. It's just I mean that's because he wanted to support us yeah. and and share the experience with us. And like, it's not that I don't have that still uh, because obviously I've got plenty of friends that are parents, not least you, Capsy. But specifically, sharing the experience with Seb, like everyone's friendship everyone's relationship is unique and i'm really really gutted and i'm really going to miss that specific type of friendship that i had with Seb for that type of thing mm-hmm. for sure i'm sorry i've made it sad <laughs> it was always going to happen it's only sad because all the things we're talking about when he was alive were such huge positive things in our lives yeah and it's re- it's difficult because every part of every important part of our life we shared so much and it's like <clears throat> i've constantly found myself in the last month something happens and i just like instinctively want to talk to Seb about it mm-hmm. and that's because we had so many shared passions like anything that happened in the red dwarf world and like i say we <laughs> i am not short of of friends that are Red Dwarf fans. And so I talk to you two about anything that happens about Red Dwarf and that's all the time. We talk to each other virtually every day. But I always also used to talk to Seb virtually every day about it. Yeah. Football, I talk to Seb about. Music, I talk to Seb about. Games, I talk to Seb about. Telly, I talk to Seb about. So it's, it's, it's difficult and it kind of reminds me of, and this is something we talked about a few podcasts ago in Infinity Welcome Scareful Drivers, when Lister went to the bar, he wasn't going to the bar, he was going to the bar without Kachansky. Uh-huh. That's kind of... Yeah. <laughs> when, when something happens, like the first thing I want to do is talk to Seb about it. But I'm So therefore I'm constantly aware that I'm not talking to Seb about it. Mm. But like we say, because of the way our, our friendships were formed, like we've all changed each other and, and become part of each other's lives and so that's never going to go away and in time it will no longer be painful in time it will be i will be grateful and i i already am i'm so grateful for the impact that seb's had yeah on everything and in time like the parts of him that are in us will 
will be part of his legacy and will be part of what helps him to live on. Absolutely. Bit deep. Make damn sure of that. I feel we should uh, go more into funny anecdote territory to uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> to move on yeah okay um, I've got one go on then so <laughs> whether you want this released or not I don't know but we <laughs> often whenever we used to go to the House of Dwarf we used to uh, House of Dwarf is the colloquial name we give to Ian's house because it's where most <laughs> of the things to do with dwarf normally happen so we call it the House of Dwarf. It's G&T um, Towers, Danny. Don't ruin the illusion. Oh, yeah, Broadcasting House, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> for the boys you're, the, you're the receptionist, for God's sake. You should know this. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, so we used to spend a lot of time over at Ian's house, usually. Whenever there's like a party or a barbecue stuff, it's always at Ian's house. And uh, one, of the, one of the nights we ended up... Uh, um, it just... Why the hell was it on? We, we just ended up with the fucking... Uh, like a... a a babe station channel on in the background. We weren't in that room. We were outside, so there was no. This TV channel had just switched over. I don't know how the hell it ended up on it, but we ended up. We just it was like a text chat thing going on at the same time. Well, so people could text in messages. It was pretty. It was <laughs> mild, right? Wasn't it? It was in the it, days. It wasn't. Of like, no, it, it wasn't. Was, it wasn't like no. It wasn't. It wasn't. It, was, it, it, was, it wasn't. It was near porn in it. It was, it was a. It was a chat channel, right? It was like for singles type thing. Oh, yeah, right, you okay. sent in your message and then yes. people would message back. It wasn't booby ladies. <laughs> no, people weren't reacting to this message. It was more like people could just watch yeah. the screen and stuff would come up. And without us knowing it, Seba decided... And I can't believe you still have the image of this as well, Ian, which is insane. I didn't realise <laughs> that that existed. But you took a screenshot or you took a picture the second it happened. But um, he, he, what did he, he text something? He, he texted something to the thing. He said, hello, ladies... Welcome to Symesville, population you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was because we were incredibly pissed. It was the funniest thing that I've ever <laughs> seen in my life because I had no because we just we just we were just sat there and, we, and he hadn't told anyone he was doing it. He was just sat there just texting really quietly, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it just appeared on the screen. <laughs> I can hear him. I could I can hear him giggling under his breath. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that. He's, just, he's so pleased with himself in that moment, isn't he? And the thing is, he was really good at that. He was really good at kind of like picking the right moment to do a thing. Like he just yeah. used to always find that perfect point to do a thing. Yeah, there's 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 loads of little moments like that. We're just like, oh, that could never happen if you hadn't have been in the room at the time. So it's just, but yeah, that was that was that's my anecdote. That's uh, one of those ones that sticks out as like Seb being mainly responsible for. I was listening to speaking. Was it Inquisitor that had cropped up on the site? Yeah, yeah. I was listening to the Inquisitor commentary, and that's that's me, me, Ian, and Seb. So that's a good. Uh, I I would actually recommend that's a good one to listen to if you're curious about the 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 the, the trio dynamic of the time. Um, and just right at the beginning, there's there's a moment where I can't even remember what we're talking about anymore. I only listened to it the other day, where we were debating something, and Seb suddenly realizes he's correct, and he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, I win, I win." 
That's good. Uh, yeah, that's some. That's a that's quintessential Seb. There's, there's also he once gathered us all round because he'd got hold of a video from from his dad, I think, of them when they were on the um, uh, quiz show in the in the must have been early two thousands, late nineties. Ask the family, was it? Ask the family. Ask the family. Ask the family. Yeah. And late nineties, I think he was like he's a teenager. In he's the a video. teenager in it. Yeah. So they're all you know they're, they're doing this quiz and there's just a moment. I think Seb gets an answer right, and you can see him kind of like just subtly like fist pumping, like yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and like he just he, like he loved he loved like quizzes, like and he having his knowledge tests and being being right. But he, even he, like when we were watching it, he was like he was making fun of himself. Said, just, just, "Look at this, look at this little prick going yes when he's got a question right." <laughs> Well, as if the adult version as if the didn't adult also version do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is, there was no one that I knew that was more competitive than Seb. Yeah, <laughs> like he would, de- he would deny it and pretend that it was like self-effacing and it was part of a character. But no, yeah. he was incredibly competitive. <laughs> uh, like whether that was in, in qu- like he loved quizzes, like we said, and he would, he would. We'd go to. I've been to a couple of pub quizzes with him, and he would take it so seriously, but pretend that he wasn't mm-hmm. taking it so seriously. <laughs> and then computer games, obviously, like a, a big part of that <laughs> that glorious year and a half, and which continued later on as well when we lived separately, but uh, would all just pile around to each other's places whenever we could. Have yeah, pro evo tournaments that went on all night and were just yeah sometimes accompanied by big sulks afterwards if results hadn't gone the right way. <laughs> yeah. Just brief ones and then back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. The only time me and Seb almost had an argument was over Key to the Kingdom, ridiculously. <laughs> <laughs> well it is impossible to defeat the voodoo spectre. Yeah. Um I've got like talking about competitiveness, I mean um you and Seb and Sonic Two races. <laughs> or was this Sonic shit. 3 specifically? It was Sonic 3, yeah. I still have a photo which I <laughs> I posted it on Facebook at the time and whenever it came up in my Facebook memories I'd just make sure I remembered to tag Seb in it. That we were at, we were at uh, was it called Summer of Sonic? Summer of Sonic, yeah, 2000. Summer of Sonic, which is a little sort of tiny mini convention uh, which was in uh, just up Brick Lane I seem, mm. I seem to remember because I think we went for a curry afterwards. Um where it was it was Sonic related bits and bobs. There was like a, a band playing the music and lots of arcade stalls and like previewing the latest products and the latest merch and everything. But they had some classic Sonic games set up in the corner that you could play in. Uh, we played two player Sonic 3 and I won all five of the five stages <laughs> and took a photo of it and just reminded Seb of it every year. Because <laughs> it was a whitewash. Got him. I mean, you don't let that opportunity pass you by. <laughs> But uh, we we I think I don't know whether Owen's going to mention it, but we have to talk about the April Fool. I was uh, about to say, earlier okay. when you said the um, <laughs> when he, he did he sent that text message in um, without anyone knowing the April Fool that he did without anyone knowing <laughs> was a blinder, and it was in the in the group days of G and T, and like we we often did April Fools gags where we'd like. And I think we even did one that same year. I'm not 100% sure, but like mm. where we'd all collaborate and come up with a gag. And it was usually something that was pretty obviously a gag, but we had fun making it and, and putting it out there. Mm. However, 
on March the 31st one year, <laughs> Seb um, went out and had a few drinks and then went home and drunkenly in the early hours of the morning decided to do an extra April Fool's joke on us that played out in public where he, he built a website <laughs> called Ganymede and Titan and created a persona of like a really eager like young kid who's just like <laughs> built built a website and innocently called it the same as another website <laughs> it's just like but he went, he built the whole website yeah. <laughs> in a night in, in the space of a couple of hours. Was it copied and think... pasted articles that he changed and he'd he'd copy and paste <laughs> stuff from G and T and claim that he'd written it himself. Yeah. <laughs> what and I then... love about that is that basically Seb is probably the only person I know who could drunkenly make a website. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The level of dedication is like is incredible. It's extraordinary. Um, what, yeah. I hope it's still online. I'm not sure whether it's still online, but we'll we'll try and find it. And if it is, we'll mention. Well, it. we'll, well, find, we'll mention the it anyway in the thread because it all notes. played out in a, yeah, in a forum yeah. thread, and we've got all that. So, yeah, but yeah, the one phrase from it which will always stick in my mind was that he had a links section on the on the fake website. <laughs> And he described reddwarf.co.uk as Andrew Ellard's Funtime Emporium. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, it's the kind of thing that only a drunken mind can come up with. Because yeah. I remember him saying that when he read it back the next day, he didn't actually remember writing that. <laughs> it's very much like Fathers and Sons, where he has to so drunk he doesn't remember doing the thing he did the night before. So he comes it back fresh. I just think that is that that just sums Seb up. I think that whole April Fool thing. That just like the level of care, attention, the the level of humour he's willing to go to, the, the amount of you know the the, the perseverance and the and the, the dedication to the joke, and everything he was doing there was just like it was to, just to make other people laugh. Like yeah, he just yeah. knew how much the music it was other yeah. people laugh yeah. our asses off. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God! It's, it's like we've been saying. He he lived to to spread enjoyment and fun yeah. to everyone else. Yeah, and and to win at Key to the Kingdom. <laughs> that and, is his two, two motivations. His two pillars of Seb. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then he was our chaser, which he couldn't. We we couldn't have have found anyone else who oh, would have DJ. fit the bill more than uh, to be our chaser for a DJ. Yeah, yeah. He there was, was a few dimension fit. jump quizzes. Yeah, he was one of the Smegheads. Uh, which oh, was yeah. like the first one, the first of the quizzes that we did was a, a parody of the Eggheads, where Seb was one of it was like five Red Dwarf experts versus five normal fans. Experts, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then more, yeah, more recently he was the the chaser on our version of the chase, where, unbeknownst to Seb, um, <laughs> we, uh, obviously we got. Um, it was a full proper production with graphics and sound and music cues and everything and so we'd got the music cues from the chase that we that are played when the chaser comes out mm-hmm. and so the first time that Seb went out we played the one from the chase yep. and then in each subsequent time that he came out unbeknownst to him we had a different tune <laughs> each time what, do you remember what they were? Danny? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like they were yesterday. the second one so there's five rounds, there's one for each of the contestants and then one for the final chase so I think the first one was just standard you know chaser comes out the second one i think was like an 8-bit version of that chase music so i was like okay so that was just getting a bit weirder okay. and yeah. then i think the third one was the bill <laughs> the <theme tune laughs> from the bill because we just needed something where someone was walking 
<laughs> and then the uh, oh, and then it was Step Turnson for the fourth Step one, Turnson. which was Ian's recommendation, which was fucking <laughs> extraordinary because because he really played up to us because he started lumping the second he heard it. <laughs> he had no idea it was going to happen because he was sat behind, he was sat in the desk while the the the, the cash builder was going on. So he was we was working out what we should offer them before he went up on stage mm. in the same way the production would, and uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then the, for the final chase, it was, and I thought it was just perfect because it was like, I, he, I think he really got a kick out of it. It was a Robotnik's theme from Sonic Two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was, the, it was the best, best music. <laughs> so good, and it was, yeah, it was, um, yeah. I don't remember we had the, a really horrible system, like you know, it to work out whether what the chaser was going to write. So we had to make up this ridiculous system with a Bluetooth keyboard where he had it over at like. Sub-suggestion, I seem to remember. You it's are. Sub-solution to the problem. It he was sub-solution yeah. to the problem. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, they... <clears throat> in the show, they obviously have buttons that are connected up to the graphic system so <laughs> yes. that the, the chaser presses either A, B or C and then when it comes up and Bradley Walsh says, let's see what the chaser put, they know what the chaser put. Yeah. And we thought, oh shit, we need something like that. On the weekend, we were like, fuck, how do you do that? And so Seb came up with a solution with... He had his, he had his iPad with him they had a Bluetooth keyboard. That's right. And so Danny had the iPad in front of him and Seb would sit uh, while the question was being asked and then bash either A, B he or would, C on He would hold keyboard. the button down so just all I can see is I can see the questions going out the yeah. ears. Just, just in case it was an intermittent connection, I guess. Like just, yeah. He would just kill him, yeah. just hammer it just, just so they could make sure it was absolutely the answer he wanted to put. But that was how we did it. And it was like, it was so low fi but it was fucking genius. And it, it, it was fantastic. So good. In the in the last DJ as well, the most recent one, when he wasn't officially part of it, he saw that we were um, we needed a bit of help, and so he volunteered to um, help get everything set up. And then he did the voiceovers to introduce all the contestants when we did fifteen to one. Oh, he just yeah. did that his own bat as well. Oh, he got his so In fact, good. I I happen to know that he was lined up to do the Sunday afternoon quiz at next DJ um, because of like. Danny and I have been doing it for the last few DJs. We're no longer part of the of the DJ team, oh. and so they approached Seb to do it, and he was going to, but only because I only know that because he wanted to check with me, um, because I'd hosted the last few. He wanted to make sure that I was okay with it. Which oh. like, of course, I, of course, I was. Uh, but yeah, bless him for <laughs> for thinking to ask. Oh, that's nice. You should have said, that. yeah, you should have said absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> Who do you think you are? I made DJ. <laughs> Sack me. Yeah, we in all the conversations that we had with Seb over the years, all the like the thousands of words that we exchanged, I'd say at least half of them were quotes from something as well. Uh yeah. What, it's uh, just a natural part of the lexicon and it's something that obviously will <laughs> we continue to do between us and, and with the rest of our friends as well. The uh, but yeah, there's there's certain there's certain particularly lines good that at I it. can only Yeah. There's certain things that I can only hear in Seb's voice now. Yeah. Like a lot of them from the Amanda Iannucci shows, which was uh, the sketch show that he did in around 2001, which like is not the best well-known of his work, but it kind of is in our group because he, he gets quoted so much of, oh, 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 we, Darby County. <laughs> it's like, that's me impersonating Seb, impersonating Amanda Iannucci. And uh, Amanda Iannucci slammed Seb down recently on Twitter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in a jokey way. Yeah, Seb's... 
<laughs> Seb had mentioned, like, he mentioned in a tweet to Amando that he quotes the show all the time, and Amando said, you owe me royalties. <laughs> you, you, you owe me royalties, you plagiarising dick. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was even better than I remember. It was absolutely, it was the most perfect Anucci response. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, genuinely, one of my one of my favourite things that Seb could do was the um, the entire the diatribe of Father Purcell from Father Ted, the most <laughs> yeah. boring priest in the world. We're talking about boilers, and uh, and he could just do the entire thing, and it would just it would just send my stomach. It just I'd, it would hurt so much. I'd like it'd be like torture because I'd just like stop, please stop talking because it's hurting so much. <laughs> it could never that- fail to make me completely crease up with that. Monty Python sing-alongs. Oh uh, yes, yeah. it's like Medical there's always a big group. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's us and like Ellard and uh, Jez Harrison is usually there, but Seb, Seb and Ellard would usually be the ones leading it. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's yeah. I mean, he, he certainly left his mark on the will. I mean, yeah, he's, he's left quite a wide-spreading mark as well because it's the like. He, he, there's so much of the stuff about, like, other than Red Dwarf, that like has, yeah. has, has reached yeah. people. Ev- that it feels like you would everyone, everyone had the same experience. Like a few days after after he died, um, anyone who was on Twitter would just be like, "What he did? It, what? What's this now? What's this new community that's paying tribute to Seb? I didn't know about." The, like it's just yeah. it's like all everyone who was like familiar with his work maybe maybe not friends but was familiar with his work from other places or suddenly getting an education as just how many other bits of you know pop culture yeah, he was in like, people have come together about it as well i remember i've spoken to um dennis and uh david who did the beyond the touchline podcast never spoken to them before uh but uh james hunt coined a term that covers all of us which is we were podcast cousins uh, because of Seb, yeah. like we each did a podcast with Seb, and so all the people that previously didn't know each other that did a podcast with Seb, we're now all one happy family. Yeah, yeah, it's great. But yeah, he t- he had so many <clears throat> areas of interest and was able to dedicate so much headspace to them all. Really, apart from the, just the time to talk about them, able to hold so many things in his head, and that they all seemed like of equal importance to him as well. Like obviously, yeah. It, there were ones that were bigger than others, but there's so many things that he cared about, and therefore, like you say, so many different people. And that, yeah, in the immediate aftermath, um, we started the fundraiser, which was just because what can you do? Like you just desperately want to do something to to make things even slightly better, and there's nothing that you can do <laughs> to to change anything. So what, like, what practical help can we be? And that and that's not just like me speaking or us speaking. That's everyone. Like so many people, just on the on the night as soon as they heard the news, they were like, "What? What can we do? How can we? How can we help?" And so we started that fundraiser, and like we didn't really have any kind of amount in mind or any kind of purpose in mind, but we just knew that you know, a family has just lost their main wage earner, and so this money can't be yeah. <laughs> can't hurt. Um. And just within a week, it was at £30,000, which is ridiculous. Is and not only the amount of money, but also the number of donors is uh, over 900 different people who have decided to contribute. And, like, fuck, man. Like, <laughs> who, who is not a celebrity but has 900 people whose lives that they've touched mm-hmm. 
who would like to the extent of not just like a Twitter follower, not just someone who's familiar with their work, but someone who wants to actively go and make a, a tangible contribution yeah. to to his memory is just the most. It, um, sorry, it's such a testament to him. Yeah, it is. I, I think that the 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 most touching one I that I that I realized was like the one that genuinely like nearly killed me was uh, Ed Solomon did a a, a series of tweets. About um, yeah. about Seb and the work they'd done, he knew about him. It wasn't like a case of oh, I've I've heard about this fan who's died. It's like he knew Seb because he's yeah, yeah. interacted with because him of a his fair articles, bit. Interactions. You know, yeah, and, it, uh, it started with one article that Seb wrote about Bill and Ted that got seen by Ed, uh, and then passed it on. And Alex Winter loved it as well. And it's like fuck, this guy really gets our film. He he gets why it's you know he gets what we were doing, and, and that's again because of his skill as a writer. And so yeah. They got to know each other as a result, and he shared the um, the, the picture that with footage of that he'd sent into the the Bill and Ted film to be for, yeah. for a recommendation. And I don't know whether it was used, but there is a big old montage at the end of yeah, the film. Yeah, we need to, we need to check <laughs> spoilers. No. Um, have you seen it? Yet? No, not. It's assuming, have I seen I it? I haven't seen it yet. No. <laughs> okay, well we'll it, tread it carefully. Not... <laughs> it's not being officially released in the UK. For it's not. It's, it's not. So the it. fact that I have seen that is weird. <laughs> Really, um, something something like t- talking about the reaction to the fundraiser. I mean, the reaction to the fundraiser is like one element of like the overall reaction on the internet. Like, mm. um, but J- James, I've heard James say this on on the, the Cinematic Universe kind of podcast they did just a few days after he died, just to talk about him, is that um, one of Seb's big big things, big hangups, was just been really scared that like people were just humoring him and people didn't really like him that much really like yeah and and, yeah. and you saw that come out sometimes in our friendship like you like the, the, there was a certain level of insecurity there if seb if seb could mm. see even a fraction of what has happened yeah like i mean he probably it would, he, yeah it, yeah uh, it's just it's just amazing to think of some, someone who was just you know so worried about being liked <laughs> um was busy being one of the most liked people yeah, without without yeah. really, it's going. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. No. I think is the thing. Like for like, and it it's different for us. Um, we weren't. We were. We were. We were more. We were more than friends with Seb. It was. Yeah. He was family. Family to us. Um, but that doesn't make other people's feelings or other people's grief any lesser. Or any less valid, I should say, because so many people were familiar with him and and knew of him, um, that it was just such a huge shock yeah. to so many people, and that's why we got that outpouring of grief and people finally saying what he meant to them, yeah. the whether grief. they'd actually met him or not, whether they actually knew him yeah. or whether he was just a voice on Twitter or a name on a byline of articles that they'd read over the years. Um, but yeah, his loss was was definitely felt and will continue to be felt. Yeah, I mean, because you know, we all know what it feels like to lose someone, um, someone that you're a fan of. Let's say, because like Seb obviously yeah. had a, a ton of fans, and like, and it's the same, it's the same sort of thing. Obviously, the scale's slightly different, but like, you know, <laughs> how people felt when Bowie died, or you know, um, died, or just just anyone that's kind of given you any sort of joy in life, even if you've never met them, you don't know them from Adam, they don't know you, yeah. you still feel that. And like, you could, um, yeah. and that's just been so, and evident. especially as, 
he was a such a great communicator. Yeah, he spoke to people literally and metaphorically. He spoke to people, <laughs> and so yeah, yeah. His voice was uh, was a big part of lots of people's lives, like to varying degrees, um, whether they knew him personally or not. I thought you were going to say whether they liked it or not. <laughs> whether they liked it or not. I mean, there's a, a lot. <laughs> okay, we've we've gone through the high points of Seb. Should we discuss some of the low? <laughs> and now we move on to liars. No. Um, well, obviously, there is... We, we can't possibly hope to get across every complicated feeling and every memory in a medium such as this and uh like for a start i've not even begun to really process it properly it yeah. still still doesn't seem real <laughs> like there's still a part of me that thinks this has all been a big misunderstanding and that i'm gonna there's gonna be some a really embarrassing track back of all the (laughs) everything that's happened over the last month I mean nothing like I mean aside from this nothing feels particularly connected to reality that's happened over the last six months I mean not not none of none of I mean you've seen you've seen Joey right and I don't think any anyone else within our friend group have properly had have, have seen each other since since this we haven't had our we haven't had like that that moment for catharsis or you know yeah and all that's still to come like this is this is something that's gonna just mm. is gonna take forever to to really well, I like can accept tell, i can tell our listeners to anyone who's fortunate enough not to have experienced it that um a socially distanced remote attended funeral is fucking weird yeah <laughs> it's it's uh, not very pleasant like obviously a funeral is not meant to be a pleasant experience but it's a very weird experience but yeah I am definitely looking forward to such a time, whenever that may be, um, that a group of us can get together and yeah. properly raise a glass and properly have the conversations that we want to have. And, like, obviously, I mean our friends, but also just the Red Dwarf community having an opportunity to, like, whenever, hopefully, next DJ will go ahead as planned in February. Uh, but obviously, with the current global situation. Um, I'm not planning. To, I'm not planning more than like a week or so ahead in anything in my life at the moment. But yeah, whenever we get the opportunity to raise a glass, we we definitely will raise fucking loads of glasses, <laughs> a thousand glasses. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I'm really glad. Like um, like we're finding like the fastest where we can. Right. So there there was the funeral, yeah. and it was it was certainly better than not. Like it's certainly better than not being able to attend a funeral under no- normal circumstances, right? Because you don't get the the mm-hmm. live stream option, and you know we, we our our kind of our immediate group of friends gathered afterwards for a, a Zoom wake, a Google Meet wake, yeah. and everything. And but <laughs> I I, th- I think like today this 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 podcast like actually talking publicly about Seb um, is is something that you know we really wanted to do and kind of yeah. felt like it's going to it's an important part of this this whole process because he you know for, for people listening here you know he was a public figure you know for i don't know there's maybe 600 of you um you know it's important <laughs> to maybe give some context of just who who said was to us really like historically uh because maybe it's yeah. just not obvious <laughs> 
Because it, I think here's the thing: if we were a Red Dwarf podcast um, that Seb had never been involved in, and if Seb wasn't our personal friend, any Red Dwarf podcast should be talking about Seb right now. Yeah, because he was a huge part of the team that made Red Dwarf. And I've spoken to members of the cast and crew, and like I had to break the news to some of them, um, which wasn't great. But he's he's his loss has definitely been felt within the world of Red Dwarf as well. And like this conversation started with the dedication that went into um, into the first three million years. Um, Doug tweeted about him. Um, in fact, Doug was quite instrumental in making sure that that message happened. But also, the people at UK TV, as soon as they heard the news, they were like, "Yeah," because he was a colleague to them. Um, they collaborated together. Obviously, he ran reddwarf.co.uk and the Red Dwarf social account so he'd worked really closely with the UK TV press team and social team across the last few series to get everything aligned and publish things at the same time and like divvying up the assets and everything so yeah he was a, a huge part of the Red Dwarf world and um, was an official part of the Red Dwarf world for nine years and left a significant mark and and will have a legacy in the Red Dwarf world so as Red Dwarf fans we should be talking about Seb yeah. uh, the fact that he was also one of our best friends makes it more difficult for us to do so, but I'm I'm glad that we've managed to in some small way. Yeah, I hope people have realised, <clears throat> because it was never really that obvious um, just how much Seb did at GMP, yeah. to be honest. Uh, you'd be forgiven for thinking um, he wrote a few paragraphs every week and and that was basically basically it, but just absolutely yeah. not not the case at all. You know, no. uh, It's just because it, he, wasn't, he wasn't big and... Flashy about it. you know there was just there was just so so much so much yeah <sighs> stories that I'm sure will come out <laughs> yeah further down the line um we'd we'd write a book but we haven't got an editor <laughs> <laughs> well that was another thing that Seb did yeah was <laughs> uh, edited edited our first G and T book and the fact that we've been waiting nine years for the second G and T book is. <laughs> Tells you everything you need yeah, to know about Yeah, that book was Seb released in 2011, <laughs> the same year that Seb um, uh, treacherously G- uh, went to yeah <laughs> went to GMP and um, the traitor Seb Patrick, as he's been known, yeah, since from 2011 until a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to kind of wrap it up here, um, but this undoubtedly will not be the last time that um, Seb's name is mentioned. In our dwarf, as we said in our intro to the last one, like we mentioned him all the time. Anyway, he was a huge part of our lives, and yeah. the fact that he's no longer here isn't going to stop that from happening. No. He will always be a huge part of my life, um, and especially in the context of of Red Dwarf, his his legacy will always be felt, and his presence will always be felt. Absolutely. When you walk through a storm. Hold your head up high And don't be afraid of the dark At the end of a stone There's a golden sky 
the sweet silver sound of love. Walk on through the wind. Walk on through the rain. said this before uh over the last few weeks but um we also we we really want to say thank you to our our readers and listeners who stuck with us when we basically went quiet for a month <laughs> when this happened like everyone was very much understanding um and like the tributes that were left on gnt were a, a joy to behold so many mm-hmm. old names coming back as well who, who felt the need to, to come along and people yeah sharing their memories of Seb and their highlights from his writing and and the things that he'd done it was it was a really lovely thing and it was it made you realize the the positive side of um the internet which frankly has done a lot of bad mm-hmm. <laughs> especially in recent years but the the good side of online communities and and for fandom what it can do and when people come together it was a joyous thing. Well, Seb embodied um, all the good things about the internet. Like you know, that's that was his thing. Yeah. <laughs> and and so yeah, and, and then when he went, he he reaped what he sowed. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anyone um, who's listening and is interested, um, the fundraiser uh, that we mentioned is still open um, to help Seb's family, and the link will be in the show notes for this podcast. Um. Next up for us, we're going to be recording the third instalment of the Dwarfcast Book Club. Uh, so make sure that you've boned up on the final part of yeah. Infinity Welcome to Careful Drivers. So until we return, uh, which will be in the next couple of weeks, thank you so much for listening to this one in particular. Uh, stay safe, everyone, and as always... Ed bye, everybody. Ed bye. Today is a day for both sadness and joy. Sadness because you've just listened to Ganymede and Titan's Dwarfcast. Enjoy, because it's now finished. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. And as you're leaving, uh, we've clubbed together... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to get you a retirement present which uh, you'll have to uh, this works well in audio ex- yes, obviously you'll have to explain what's happening to the people at home that's <laughs> <laughs> <to> me <laughs> it's a clock <laughs> and we've had it engraved it's a clock <laughs>
<laughs> and it says, fuck off then. <laughs> and they didn't even put a fucking battery in it. I think that's an accurate reflection of fun. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I didn't know you were going to do that. <laughs> That, that would be touching if it wasn't so insulting. <laughs> surprise me during rehearsal. Don't surprise me you do an hour of Yeah, so goodbye everybody for probably the last time.